1: Welcome, welcome to episode number 48 of Bleeding Blue, and today we are having our first annual Bleeding Blue Town Hall. We are in session, not court, not court is in session. I've been spending too much time at the DA's office. And we want to know if you were to ask anyone in the Giants organization, past or present, one question, what would it be? We have questions from Twitter, Instagram, and David and I have also made some of our own questions. So, Without further ado, what are we gonna do? Bleed blue. All right. Welcome back. David and I are in the same room. We are sitting right next to each other. This is the second time that we've ever done this. This does not happen often. No, it does not. And it always happens in rooms that are very hot. It always happens. And I mean, I just sweat every single time we make a podcast. I'm a gross human being. I I sweat every time we make a podcast anyway, because I always have to turn all the ACs off and all the fans off because I'm anal about my sound quality. And speaking of sound quality, I was pissed. I was pissed that the way that we record is through Google Hangouts, and then I edit everything on on Audacity. But last time, Google Hangouts wasn't working when I was with Brett, so I had to record using Skype through Spreaker. It was this whole operation. I got very frustrated, and then it turns out that Skype is a terrible app. Never use Skype for anything. It is terrible. Terrible product. You're you're really coming after a big, a big company. I don't know if we're ready for this kind of a battle. No, I am I'm I'm ready. We're not, for we're it. not ready for this war. Google Google Hangouts for the win, but then Google Hangouts is now giving me a notification that's saying Hangouts on Air is going away later this year. So that kind of just broke my heart. And the year doesn't have much much left. No, we're, the we're year not... the year doesn't. So that's gonna be pretty quick. Well, actually we're halfway through the year. So it's got we got Almost exactly half the year. So that was really a ridiculous comment. We're recording on the first day of summer. Today's Friday. Yes. This episode is going to be released on Monday. How do you feel about the first day of summer? Today's the longest day of the year. I thought yesterday was the longest day of the year. Oh, shit. Was it? I'm pretty sure yesterday was the summer solstice. I don't know how the world works. I think it was yesterday. If, it, if it's today, it doesn't make a difference. It's only one minute difference. Um, how do I feel about the first day of summer? I like summer. Okay. I am not a fan of the humidity we've been dealing with. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm excited. It, it spells good things. Yeah, I'm not... As I'm getting older at the age of 21, I am hating being outside. Well, I'm hating the outside Like world. you said, you sweat as it is. So. I just – I sweat even when I'm inside. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, here here we are. You were not here. We released an episode on June 11th. I don't know when that – that was nine days ago. It was. So you weren't here, and Pat Shermer had some interesting quotes. What do you think about that? Just address that quickly. You weren't – you didn't get the chance – to be here and to I give fresh your my thoughts. memory. All right. So about Pat about. Shermer kind of, but didn't, but sort of maybe hinted. Oh, the court. whole, Eli the, the yeah, whole the, Eli, the quarterback competition. Oh. And so, so tell me, tell me what you think, because I, I, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't know if Dave, even though Dave's a you know regular co-host on this podcast, I still don't know if he listened to the last episode. Um, so he may, he may not even know my takes. He may not even know my opinion on it, but it's not going to be that hot of a take. Like he probably thinks it is. I don't think it's going to be hot of a take. I'll, here, I'll give you my take on it. Yeah. My take on it is it's been blown way out of proportion. Mm-hmm. My take on it is Pat Shermer understands the best way to get the most out of a veteran quarterback who's prideful, who has who has won in this league, knows what it takes to win, and has not done it recently. The best way to, to light a fire under a guy that oftentimes seems, we know he's we know this isn't the case, but oftentimes seems lackadaisical and just kind of ho-hum about everything lot a fire under him and say we got this young boy who's been slinging it around the field in in, in OTAs and has been doing all the work that we've been hoping he'd, he'd do. You know, we used a very high pick on him. You know, you know, Eli, you were in the situation once yourself. Um, best thing to do is light a fire under him. Say, you know, basically we're going to see how things go. We're evaluating. We're, we're seeing what we've got. You know, we got a long time till, till Dallas. And you you basically you pretend like there's more going on than there actually is. You and I both know that Eli Manning's a starter in Week One, and I hope he even knows that. But hearing that and hearing, well, we got to see how things go is a vastly different thing. So I think that's all it is. I think it's just it, it's to give Eli motivation to keep working. Not that we think he needs help being motivated to work. It's never been a problem with him. And also, it helps Daniel Jones. A, it right. tells Daniel Jones, keep working, keep working. You're doing good things. You're putting pressure on the veterans. You're you're showing you're, you're showing what you got a little bit, and where you know things are going well. That's how I take it. Yeah, and that was that was my big take is that Pat what Pat Shermer was hired to do. Pat Shermer was hired to get the most out of the next of kin as much as possible. He got the most out of Case Keenum. Um, I think Ben McAdoo in 2014 got the most that he could have out of Eli, and that at that stage, and that's what Ben McAdoo was brought in to do. It didn't work. I don't really think Pat Shermer was brought in to get the most out of Eli Manning. Not necessarily. I think he was hired to get the most out of the next of kin at quarterback. Um, And I loved the way that he dealt with those end of mini camp, end of OTAs, right before training camp press conference, because that was the last time that he was going to speak to the media. I love the way that he dealt with it because now – I mean, you kind of put it in, you know, I'm going to put myself in Eli Manning's shoes, but really last episode, Brett and I were like, oh, let's put ourselves in Daniel Jones's shoes and be like, he's going to have a few weeks to really think about like, hey, you know, there's a shot. You know, even though though he did come out and virtually say Eli Manning is getting ready to have a great season and Daniel Jones is getting ready to play, even though he really did indicate that Eli is the starter, but he did, you know, he left out, he left the window open. And I think that's exactly what Shermer was hired to do and that's so that's the take that I went with it even though I am you know I'm a believer that Daniel Jones should start week one because that's the best for the team in the long run it probably will not happen blah 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 Dan Schneier also agreed with me when I asked him uh, that question on the Big Blue Banter podcast so that's that's about that you have any final thoughts before we move on I as you were saying that I couldn't help but think about um our buddy, uh, our buddy Bobby, talking about capital V, lowercase a, mm-hmm. capital L, mm-hmm. yeah. SpongeBob, uppercase. You know that that meme, the SpongeBob uppercase lowercase yep. value. I talk about it all the time, and it's it's uh it's getting to some people. But you know what? We're trying to we're trying to look at football in a different way, uh, in, at Bleeding Blue. Um, trying to look at football in a way that as fans we can wrap our heads around it. But you know we're trying to learn. That's what we're trying to do, David. Goddamn pyramids. Why don't you get the housekeeping? All right, let's get the housekeeping. Um. Let's follow uh, let let's us. Let's, let's follow us. Let's follow us on the Twitters. And yeah. the, those Twitters are at jpenix74. That's me. My name is Justin. I am a transplant Giant and Yankee fan living in Philadelphia. I am from New Jersey. I go to a lot of Yankee and Giants games. I enjoy going to those games. We really don't introduce ourselves for people. We've probably had a lot of first-time listeners in the past, David, because our numbers have gone up. and have but no idea who we are. But we've never – why <laughs> They have no idea who you are. Do I have to reintroduce myself now? Yeah, so so say your Twitter handle and who you are and what you're about. All right, well, my, my Twitter handle is David double underscore Powis. Evidently, my name is David. Let's see. Went to St. Joe's University with with Justin over here. Um, lived in Philly for a while. Now I live back in New York, Queens, New York. I'm a Yankees and Giants fan and a Knicks fan and a Rangers fan. Not that that matters for this podcast. No. Uh, Giants and Yankees fan. Go to multiple Giants games a year. A couple Yankee games a year. Uh Probably a bigger Giants fan than I am a Yankees fan, for being honest. Believe in Eli Manning, like Deion Sanders. Um, I believe in Eli! Uh, let's see. And Saquon Barkley deserved to be picked number two overall. All right, all right. That's 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 enough. You're going, now, you're, now you're going into your Saquon life Saquon Barkley is the best running back in the NFL. Okay, great. Um, also, other housekeeping things that we usually do. Five stars on the Apple Podcast app. We have 47 when we get to 50. I maybe want to read them on air. So when we get the, we're at 47 when we get, because that's the, what the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast does. The 76ers one, I don't know if you ever heard that one, but that's what they do. You know, we have 50, so it's not going to take that long. Uh, Find us on the Apple podcast app, Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Spreaker, and the Google podcast app. And then there's also one other app that we just got approved to be a part of, and I can't remember what it's called. So that's unfortunate. Um, sick. Yeah, sick, sick. So that's a lot of that's a lot of platforms that we're on. And coincidentally, the numbers have gone up. Updates on threads. Um, I finished the NFL positional value pyramid where I did all 32 teams. That was a grind, David. That, I that, was, I that was a grind. And I really wanted to get it done because I didn't really feel like it was getting a ton of traction. If you look at the engage, like I, there's a way to check engagements on Twitter. And it says that, you know, a lot of different people have engaged with the first tweet that I gave, like saying what I'm going to do, because usually when you post a tweet and it's a part of a thread, so then it shows like the first tweet and then the most recent tweet in the same thread. Um, so a lot of people have clicked on the first tweet. Um, so it's gotten some traction, but I definitely want to change it around with the help of you, David, maybe with the help of Glenn, and then obviously with the help of everybody else, Glenn Worsiski of NYG Underground, shout out to him. We I want to rework it. I want to rework the pyramid because there are certainly positions that are that should be higher in terms of value and I want to rework it, and I really want to make it a way where everybody is engaged, in, and it is a community effort of reorganizing that because I want to do this every single offseason because offseasons are boring, and this is kind of fun to see how NFL rosters are built. I'm continuing to watch every single offensive snap from the 2018 season. I am on the Atlanta Falcons game, and that's been really fun, so that's that's where I'm at with my threads. Daniel Jones uh, got booed at Yankee Stadium, David, but that's the headline. But you want to know what? It didn't happen. I was at that game. I I saw you tweeting about it saying that it didn't actually happen. I was was at that game, and it 100% did not happen. It probably happened in one section. Somebody tweeted it out, or somebody that knew somebody said, hey – Hey, hey, at Beat Reporter, somebody just booed Daniel Jones when he was shown on the board wow. for one. Like, I'm serious, David. He was shown on the board for about one to two seconds. There was no way that an entire stadium of people in between innings, when everybody's fiddling with their ball sacks, there was no way that people wow. were able to. Were there no women boo. at this game? There were no women at the game. <laughs> I might just edit that part out. <laughs> there is no way that when he was only shown for one to two seconds that. People that a crowd full of people would have been able to boo him. Well, so. beyond that, I mean, you're also dealing with Yankees fans are not necessarily Giants fans. You're also dealing with. I saw someone say this on Twitter. You're dealing with probably a lot of Jets fans. Probably a lot of uh, you know Cowboy fans. Yankees fans tend to be Cowboys fans too. Unfortunately, yeah, that is true. So you're probably dealing with a stadium that's you know if you're playing statistical odds, there's probably less Giants fans than there are other teams. So, of course, there's going to be booing. I would yeah. boo Sam Darnold if he, came on the, if he came on the big screen. If I were a Jets fan, I would cheer for Saquon Barkley because then it allows – You're such an asshole. <laughs> like that, that's just <laughs> – that, every, every, every damn episode, you have to, you have to go there. I'm, no, I, I put And in- the worst thing is we've now been doing this. How many – what episode is this? This is number 48. For 48, 48 times, you've been wrong. Well, no, we, well actually this started before it's that starting draft, so. it's starting to uh no this did not start before the 2018 draft. Didn't? No, this started in June of 2018. There you go. So I it's now becoming that I put in like low-key blows that I didn't like the Saquon pick. It's no longer like, oh, I just don't all right. We're not talking about it. We're not talking about it. I put like what is it? Not low-key blows, like subtle, 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 subtle hits subtle, that yeah. that I that I don't like it. But Um, I'm like, you know, like I said, last episode, I'm so pumped for this year. I'm so pumped for Saquon. And I even said it in a tweet that, um, you know, it's going to be amazing to see when he has a North South mentality for 16 games, how well he can do, but neither here nor there. I just, you know, they talked about this on talking giants too, that the fact that, okay, maybe, you know, if a few people did boom, but the fact that that narrative took off and for like a couple days after that Yankee game. That's what we were talking about on Giants Twitter and the fact that so many people, it gave people and it gave fans that are total homers and total loyalists. It gave them an excuse to attack fans who like to critique and criticize the team. It gave them a chance to stand on their high mantle and preach how Giants fans suck. And that's what really bothers me because I am i like to think that I'm, I'm definitely critical. I think I have been more fair, but... You know, there have been times where I've been called a hater, and that's I, I think, think the fur- that's that's the furthest thing that I think that I am because the fact that I am criticizing and I'm not satisfied with the mediocrity, I think that means that I love them even more, like arguably. So I don't know. That was just frustrating that those fans had their they had their moments for a couple days saying, Oh, Giants fans are shit. I love Daniel Jones, I support Daniel Jones. Of course we support Daniel Jones, you don't need to say this and the fact that this didn't even happen and the fact i don't know it was just very frustrating so training training camp schedule also came out yesterday thursday we're recording this on a friday so it came out a few days ago when you're listening to this on monday um there are 10 dates that are going to be open to the public you can purchase your tickets starting july 9th david and i will hopefully be going to a few of the training camp practices we'll probably have some periscope streams we'll try to maybe make a few videos um if you want to be on the, the podcast of some sort, whether it's on like the Twitter page or if you would like to come talk to us or just hang out for a little bit, um, come find us at training camp. Cause we'll, if anybody's going to be going, we'll be sure to let everybody know when we're going to be there, where we're going to be. And, um, you know, we'll have the mic with us. I'll have my phone. I'll have the microphone that I usually use when I hook up to my phone. And we'll, uh, We'll chat. We'll have a we'll have a good time. We'll have a fun time. We'll hang out watching Giants football. Hopefully, you'll make fun of Justin and make fun of Justin. I I I love making fun of myself. I do it really well. I, I love making fun of myself. Also, last thing before we get to these questions, I know it's been like twenty minutes or fifteen minutes. I'm putting a restraining order on Snacks, uh, Landon Collins, and Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, the court is uh, court session is scheduled for uh, this week. Judge Judy will be presiding, and we will no longer be seeing Landon Collins. Snacks Harrison and Odell Beckham Jr. ever again. We need to put a restraining order on him. I've had enough. Did you see Beckham's comments today? There were new ones? Yeah, there were new ones. No, I didn't. All right, Colton. Oh no, I did. I did. Okay. Um, talking about how how the Giants stunted his growth mentally, yeah. emotionally. Yeah, even though he like broke records every single season that he was here and he had a taste of the playoffs, but him and fucking Victor Cruz dropped touchdowns. I don't want to, don't want to talk about the okay. fucking boat. Okay. All right. No, I no, I didn't I didn't oh, break I up the boat. Him. I just dropped enough. You did? Yeah, you didn't hear that. Wow. Yeah. Was that your first? No, that's not your first F bomb. No, I was complaining about we were yelled about. We Leo, my, my, my great friend Leo. Leo and I have been really talking on on Twitter lately. He's he's a really great guy. Um, he said, first time that he messaged me about this show, um, I thought I had a very clean episode, but he said, Too many F-bombs love the show, though. So we have to we have to watch it. It's always your fault. It is my fault. I I I'm a delinquent, I inspire Badness, and violence, and yeah, I inspire violence, hatred. Yeah. Um, questions? Um, okay. Yeah, let's do questions. But let's just say that we're going to put the restraining order on them, and if they come within ten feet of us, we get to kick them in the face. Well, what happens when Landon Collins plays us? We we get to kick him in the face, metaphorically. Oh, of course. Okay. Because I do, again here, here there I go again inspiring violence. Um, <laughs> really. All right. Main mm-hmm. segment. So, Bleeding Blue Town Hall. Now that we're fifteen minutes in bleeding (laughs) session. courts in session judge judy presiding i want to make this like an every year thing because the giants have their town hall with the regular season ticket holders that happened to like two weeks ago now i want to make this like an annual thing giants are gonna have their town hall which we should try to see if we can go to since we are both regular season ticket holders i don't know how that works we should have our bleeding blue town hall where people just submit questions and we got a decent amount of questions i'm happy with the overall results of um questions that kind of came in some of them are kind of similar but The overall prompt was, tell us who you want your question asked to, could be present, could be past, um, and what the question would be um, about the New York football giants. So the first one comes from Jesse Rivera on Twitter. He says, or he asks, when did the Giants decide to keep Eli Manning and what made them make the decision to keep Eli around another three years? So I'm presuming that he's saying another three years after 2016, after the benching. Was it something Eli said, or did he show them something new? So I also had a question that's very similar, and I'm going to find that. This is this question for me, I would ask this to John Mara. If you could go back in time to week 12 in 2017 against the Raiders and change anything about the benching of Eli Manning, what would you change, or would you change anything at all, or would you not change a thing? David, I'm going to go first in terms of Jesse's question. I don't know if it's something that Eli said or something that he showed them that was new. I think it's what he almost showed them. And that is the thing that has plagued the Giants for years. It's that obviously it's been a lot of, it's been a decent amount of losing and it's been a lot of mediocrity of the five win seasons, the six win seasons, the seven win seasons, blah, 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 blah. And that's not good. But we've walked away from every single season saying, but we're almost there but they showed this at the end, or but they showed this that made us think for optimism, and a lot of that is centered around Eli Manning, where it's not like we're walking out of a season saying, we're going to take this five-win season that we had, and we're going to recognize that it was bad, and five-win seasons are not good, but we're walking away from seasons, and we're saying, oh, but if we do this and this and this, then we'll improve, so I don't necessarily think it's what Eli, you know, what made them make the decision to keep Eli around for another three years? Was it something Eli said, or is it something that he showed them that was new? I think it was what he almost showed that has kept him around for so many years. What do you think? I'm going to piggyback off of you, and I want to ask you a question first. Go back to, let's say, 2006. Okay, going a while back. 2006, 2007, 2008, nine. Eli's... Uh, Prime, you could call it Time, but yeah. that but to eleven is probably where he played his best ball, maybe even to 12 and 13. He has 14. Played, he played very well. 14 was pretty much the last year. What was Eli Manning's biggest problem? He would say the turnovers and trying to force the ball downfield. Okay. So turnovers and forcing the ball downfield, which are if if you if you say a quarterback's biggest problem, well, something that plagues him is turnovers. That's that's a nail in a coffin. That that's about the worst thing you could have as an issue, besides um, just not being able to throw the ball to the right spot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, besides being consistently inaccurate, right? Which Eli has showed at <clears throat> times, and you can see my thread for that. When the but game, there's a difference between consistently right. inaccurate and and just a guy who misses a throw here and there. Different kinds of throws depending on pressure, right? You, the, you know that it's it. This isn't all in a vacuum, right? So if you if you said Back when he was at his at his peak, biggest problem was turnovers. It was a real problem. We're talking. This is the guy who led the league in turnovers. We're, we're talking. This we're is talking about Tom Coughlin being fired, Eli Manning getting cut after the two thousand seven two thousand eight season. This is a guy. They, this is a guy who who, turned, yeah, who twin- consistently turned the ball over over fifteen times a year. It was a real problem. huh. Over the last, uh, let's see, five or six years, turn, turnovers have really dropped. He does not turn the ball over nearly as much as he once did. He really has gotten that part of his game under control. Now we could, there are multiple uh, we could come up with multiple different reasons why I can come up got, with a few right now. He's gotten less daring. He's the the offense is more catered towards keeping him safe. The keeping Giants still throws we don't they don't throw the ball downfield. They don't take chances. Giants don't hold the ball that long. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Those are all valid. So the, and and again, um, this is all piggybacking on your on your answer to the question. Right. Like you're saying, I think it's so much it, – I, I would say – I would change your from – I think it's what he almost showed. It's to what he didn't show. It's mm-hmm. what he no longer showed. He showed that he didn't turn the ball over anymore. He was he was able to operate in a system. Whatever that system was, he was able to operate in. When Ben McAdoo first came in, he played fantastic football. Oh, yeah. The team didn't. He did. Mm-hmm. So I think if, if you're Giants management, you look at the years from 2016 on – and you say, "Well, this guy's biggest problem for his entire career were turnovers was turnovers forcing the ball, stupid decisions, unveteran decisions. He doesn't make those anymore. The issues have completely changed his the things that plague him are now completely different than what they once were right now it's a question of arm strength now it's a question of mobility now it's a question of ability to stand in the pocket, take a hit mm-hmm. now it's a question of desire to throw the ball downfield, desire to take a chance, desire to be willing to throw a pick if that's what it takes to make the play that's necessary. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to say there are external things from the quarterback that you can change when those are the issues. You can say protect him better. You can say get better route runners. You can say get a running back and catch the ball out of the backfield. Get a running game. If you're, If your quarterback's problem is still he just can't hold on to the ball, you can't fix that with anything other than the quarterback. That's the only one who can fix that. So I think it's funny because as the as the winds have gone down, I think Eli has been able to convince management that there's a reason to have confidence in him if the situation becomes perfect. And when you and I on this on this show have talked a lot about it's not a good thing to have a quarterback that needs the perfect situation because it's impossible to flourish, because it's impossible. <laughs> but I think to answer the question. What did he show? I think it's that he showed, if you put these things around me, I'm actually a better quarterback than I was, you know, way back when. I think I, I genuinely think that's what they see. I think they see a guy who doesn't turn the ball over anymore. Who's smarter than he once was understands taking a sack. is not the worst thing in the world, depending on the situation, you know, his turnovers have really, really gone down. It's been one of the positives in, the, in his last couple of years. Again, like the, like you said, there's many things, many reasons why that's the case. Right. But I think that's I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. All right. Now I wanna I wanna talk about this briefly because this is a hypothetical, and I'm not the biggest fans of hypotheticals, but I kind of asked, you know, would he want to change anything differently? Would he ever want to do anything differently in terms of how he handled? the Eli benching decision. And to be honest, David, there's a part of me that thinks that he wishes that he stuck with his guns. And that there's a part of me that wishes that he said, I, I wish I just stuck with the decision that we made. And I didn't crack under the pressure of the fans, the fans. Cause I think he heard that people were boycotting and they were saying that I will not go to football games. If Eli Manning is not the quarterback and the way that this was handled, especially with Geno Smith. I don't really know if there was going to be a difference in terms of fan reaction. Now I'm talking about the loyalists. I'm talking about the loyalists and the, the true fans that don't necessarily understand you know, why you would make that type of change and why Davis Webb would be the right person instead of Geno Smith. I think that he there's a part there's a tiny little part of him that wishes, you know what if we stuck with, if I stuck with my guns and I just said, Geno Smith will play for two weeks and then Davis Webb will play for the rest of the season, and then that is it for Eli. I think that there is a part of him that would be okay with that decision, but he cracked and he heard the fans, he got those letters, he reads a lot of those lettered angry letters that he gets. and he uh, he folded. Well, I would say, yeah, I'm sure there is a part of him that that wishes that he would have stuck with those guns. <clears throat> but and I remember talking about this. I, I remember us having these discussions multiple times throughout different episodes. Ultimately it all comes down to money. It all comes down to the business of the team, not the team. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and that, that goes from every every owner, manager right. of a team. That that's the way it works. Yeah, because if Eli leaves and you go under a rebuild where your quarterback where you are in total disarray with your quarterback and you don't know what you're going to get. New York teams aren't built for rebuild mode. Like, you know, you, you look, you know, you look at what the Jets tried to do for years, you know, with Fitzpatrick and just trying to get these quarterbacks. They did it with McCown trying to compete with these quarterbacks and trying to sign these these veterans and that just never fully worked for them. It's because you New see, York New York teams aren't built for a total total rebuild. You see the Mets have done that. Yeah. The, oh, Mets, yeah, the Mets are have been played by it. The Knicks mm-hmm. have been plagued by it. You know, the honestly, the only team that hasn't been plagued by it is the Yankees. Yeah. The, yeah, well, the, the Yankees, the Yankees had a had a summer and even had a summer of a rebuild, and then they actually won more games once they actually rebuilt the team than they did before they rebuilt the team. So, you know, it's 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 just you just see the the pressure to not, I mean the pressure to win in New York is always going to be there, but the pressure to just put a roster that fans are going to think that is going to be competitive. There are plenty of teams that every single season are totally fine with not putting a competitive product out there. No matter how blindfully loyal they are, the fans in New York, they can sense it. They're smart. They will know if you are half-assing it. And if you're just putting a product out on the field, that's not going to win and you don't care that it's going to win, they will eat you alive. And I think he really felt that pressure. And that's what made him, you know, three years later, lo and behold, here we are. So I kind of want to move on to some of our other questions. I really want to get to our, our social media questions here. All right, let's do this one. Nikki Snacks on Twitter um, wants to ask John Mara again about his thought process over keeping Jerry Reese for as long as he did and not Tom Coughlin. What did he see in Jerry's ability to build the roster but didn't see in Coughlin's coaching? If he was letting Coughlin go, why wouldn't he tear it all down and take Reese with him? We kind of heard this at the end of the NYG Underground episode with Glenn and Paul. You were out for this, David. But Glenn and Paul, especially Paul, was talking about how John Mara runs the Giants like a family business. And if there are any NASCAR fans out there, um, Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. You know who Dale Earnhardt is. You know who Dale Earnhardt Jr. is. You know those do, two people course. are. So in the... Mid-2000s, Dale Earnhardt Incorporated and Dale Sr.'s business was run by his wife after he passed. And that was always run like a family business. Eventually, after Dale Sr. died, that crashed and burned because the family was at each other's necks. Dale Jr. left, and everything just totally went to shit. And his company that he built himself went to shit. So... Mara running the Giants like a family business has been extremely dysfunctional. Usually family businesses on such a large scale, on such a large platform, like a professional sports team, it always doesn't go smoothly. And we are seeing the weaknesses weaknesses of – oh, that was tough. Weaknesses of – Weaknesses of yeah, – yeah. Weaknesses of – that operation and how he runs it. Uh, obviously, again, hypotheticals were not behind the scenes, but it's kind of fun to talk about. Glenn and Paul kind of talked about it at the end of that episode, so tune into that episode. But Giants don't like to let go of their GMs. Um, they're, you know, the GM is obviously in the upper upper ech- echelon of, uh, of people in an organization. They don't like to let people go. I think that 2015 season, I really think it was more about the season that year than it was about anything else. Again, the 2015 season was about what we almost did instead of what we actually did do. And honestly, that was one of my favorite seasons as a Giants fan because I was starting to get a little bit older. That was the year before I went to college. So that was – that. 2015 is pretty much the last season where I went to every single home game. And every single game, while it was heartbreaking because we lost so many games – so many games, not just within the last two minutes, within the last 30 seconds. If you remember that season as a Giants fan, you remember there's a lot of pain in that season, but there was also a lot of excitement. There was a lot of good football games that were going to be played, and we were not expected to compete in that many games. So the fact that we had the lead so many times with less than two minutes, with less than 30 seconds, and we've lost so many of those games, why let Tom Coughlin go and why not tear it all down and take Reese with him? I think it's because of again how close the Giants were. And that's a reflection of, oh, Jerry Reese built this roster. Tom Coughlin and his coaching and his staff, they couldn't get the team to finish out the games. So again, that's why I think Reese kind of got that, you know, got that second chance, if you will. He went out and he spent hundreds of millions of dollars that offseason. And, you know, Mac there was a bit of a pressure higher with you know bumping up McAdoo as head coach because there was rumors that the Eagles were going to take him. And then the rest is history. So, what do you think of that? We'll we'll address this quickly. I would say, I mean, I don't want to take too much time on it because I think yeah. you hit hits nail on the head. I think it. I think it's it's a mirror answer to the to the uh, Eli question that we answered first. Yeah. I, I think it's it's all in the and, and I am guilty of it, and you're guilty of it, <laughs> and we've both talked about it. You know, you walk out of a game where your team loses in the last thirty seconds or two minutes, and you say we are one play away. It was that one holding call. To use a last year example, you know, if, if BW Webb turns around, bad and worse, if BW Web turns around instead of, you know, instead of trying to run through the receiver and turns around, and plays the ball, the, the entire game is different. You can do that to every game. And I think John Marrow is guilty of doing that. And I think, like you said, John Marrow listens, listens to his fans. Mm-hmm. And his, the fans are guilty of that. So I, I think that's where it comes from. All right. Last, uh, last John Marrow question, I think. Um, Will Ryan on Instagram wants to ask, um, John Mara, why is his head up his ass all the time? I think that's hilarious. You think it's, so? Why? Why do you think his head is, his head is up his own ass all the time? Because he's one. Ooh, big. So he's got a big ego. Wow. He's got a big ego. Got to put mm. it somewhere. Mm. That's actually that's actually really good. <laughs> I will agree with that, except I, I kind of think of it in a bad way because it's like, oh, this has worked in the past. Oh so no, no, again. I'm not saying it's a good thing. Oh, I'm you, saying you I'm saying it like it. I'm saying it's hubris. Oh. I win every day in my hubris. life. I win every I, I take a W every single day of my life. So that's why my head's up my ass. A LeVar ball. Amen. Um, let's change the let's change the subject from uh from Eli necessarily. So Scott Powell on Twitter. You know, Scott Powell? No, he went to St. Joe's, he graduated this year. Oh, no, cool. Um, he asked, and I think this question would go to Pat Shermer, uh, what is your expectation for the offensive line this year? Eddie Ed Zietler and Remmers and second year of Hernandez. Um, Part of me thinks they can be a top 15 group, maybe top 10. I wanted to do prep on this question to look up rankings of pro football focus of offensive line groups, but I didn't do that. that. I didn't do that. I did it in my brain, but I'm like, oh, I have to do that, but I didn't do that. So Quickly, I would just say I agree. There's no reason why they can't be – I'll give you top 15, top 10. I'm I'm uncomfortable taking any group that was as bad as it's been. And as bad as they've been, Mm -hmm. I'm uncomfortable saying they're going to be top 10 this year. Yeah. I'll give you top half of the league though. Yeah, I, um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't see why there's any reason why you shouldn't believe that. You know, Will Hernandez showed last year as the year went on; he's a stud and he got better. Um, I think Solder I, I think Solder showed the same thing with the addition of Jamon Brown towards the end. You know, towards the middle of last season, and Solder, Jamon Brown was not Solder's, great. <laughs> yeah, and soldiers play really improved with an actual with, with someone who actually had an idea what the hell they were doing. Hernandez gained more of an awareness Hernandez, of what Yeah, to do. absolutely. And you and we've seen that on the 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 threads that I'm doing. Oh, Nate Solder had a terrible game against the Falcons, and that's the game that I'm on now. But we've even seen it. Just I've put a, I've put maybe one or two plays where you can clearly see Solder and Hernandez have some sort of breakdown of communication because somebody will just come in running free again because a guard's eyes are looking one way, the tackle's eyes are looking another way, and it's just and a, they miss the middle. It's a scheming. It's a scheming yeah. issue, and maybe there's some miscommunication. So. I'm excited as I continue with my thread to see how that develops and how that um, improves over the second half of the season. But I would say, again, top 15 group, how do we rank offensive line groups? Do you rank them based off of, you know, team rushing yards? Do you rank them based off of sacks allowed? Um, you know, it's like it, pro football focus probably does a good job of doing that, ranking their ranking offensive line groups. And I didn't prep for that. So that's my bad. But uh I would say next year's offensive line group is probably going to be better than this year. And you would hope. Oh, it's got to be better. And you would hope that, you know, three, because you have Solder will be back. Hernandez will, you know, you're saying, we're hopefully saying these things. Solder will be back. Hernandez will be back. Jalapio you know, if there's if, there's been some rumors that Jalapio could – if he was going to play last year, I remember a former center came out and said that if Jalapio played last year, he would have been the best center in the league. Yes. A former – I, I, I know I know. Giants coaching staff, management yeah. are giddy Love about getting Jalapio back. Love him. So maybe he comes back next year. That's three. You have Ziegler that comes back, and I think Remmers is just a one-year thing. So that's four out of the five starters that we're talking about possibly coming back. For 2020 so definitely an improved group this year but but for 2020 i definitely think the expectation is a top 10 health is a a huge health is also a huge thing but we do have you hope that we have the depth this year you know pulley is back you know he could be a center guard hybrid guy chad wheeler can you know he's a big tall guy he's a tall tackle he can play right tackle serviceable Maybe he could play right. Maybe he could play left tackle. That would be that would be a bad situation, though. If I would say if you if you were to pick a guy in the offensive line, also because it's the second most valuable position in football, if you were to pick a guy in the offensive line, where if this team would go to shit, if we lost him, it would be Nate Soldier. But neither here nor there. That's our offensive line question. Um, I do want to ask this. Um, This is more of a fun question. This is the first fun question that we had, like where we can joke and stuff. This is for the offensive line group, and this is my question. Um, can you guys start a podcast? Because I don't know if you guys have ever heard Kevin Zietler, Kevin Zeitler's voice before. I think it's um, you know, it's really the start of the year. You know, we might not have pads on, but us, our communication, you know, me being new here, learning how the other guys around me work, you know, it's critical getting that understanding before training camp so you can move forward instead of just learning everything. He has an incredible radio voice that Oozes testosterone and it oozes masculinity through the speakers. Nate Solders has these weird takes about mothers ruining their athlete's sons' careers with expectations, and every single player drafted will be injured. Did you see that tweet that he had draft no. night? He, yeah, he basically said that, you know, mothers are going to ruin their athlete's sons' careers with expectations and the pressure that they put on, and every single player that's going to be drafted will get injured anyway. <laughs> it was kind of weird. So he could be that wild child of the group that if they are talking about, let's say, like barbecue spots around town. He just brings up government conspiracy theories. Like just out of the blue and and to like <laughs> Nate Solder shut your mouth. You have no idea what you're talking about. Chad Wheeler has that California hair and it turns out that he went to USC, so he can hopefully bring like a California chill vibe to the room. Doesn't have the best radio voice, but I think he can bring something good to the pod, right? Will Hernandez and John listen to this. Will Hernandez and John Jalapio recently took a picture on Twitter wearing both where they were both wearing the strength cartel apparel, apparently a gym in California. I tried looking up their Twitter account. The account has been suspended. <laughs> so I Googled it, and the address of the of the gym is as follows: 1903 most hated in Orange County, California. That's the name of the street. 1903 most hated. So it's official. These two are Bash Brothers. They get gains together during the day. They drink in brewskis till dawn, and they do it all over again the next day. And Mike Remmers, last but not least, has one of the best beards I've ever seen. And to make things even better, he is a ginger, so I'm sure he can contribute to the show as well. So my question is – I've done a lot of research. What's the name? What's the name of the podcast? I don't know. I don't know, because maybe Bash Bros is one, but I don't right, know. And, and, and I, we need we need comments we need, think, in the comments. Yes. We need to know what the Giants offensive line podcast is going to be called. Yeah, we, we need, need we need to help them. Well, I may make this into a video and then at all of them on Twitter. I like it. Yeah. Oh God, you, Kevin Z, really, but Kevin Zietler's voice is incredible. Well, yeah, you you, you played it from. Before, I'll put i I'll put it's like incredible. a. It I'll, really is. I'll try to put a clip. I'll try to put a clip of some words that he said in the past in the in the podcast here but I don't know that's uh that's really that that's really a a cool a cool sight to a cool sight to hear nice really I'm really good with words all right we talked about my main man Leo before this is his question now apparently he was talking with Marty Lyons Leo somehow knows Marty Lyons who is the who is a ex-Jets defensive lineman of the 1970s, and then he's also the color commentator for the Jets on 98.7 ESPN Radio. You can tell that I listened to that station. That was, that was impressive. You can tell that I listened to that station because I said that so seamlessly. So Leo said that Marty Lyons has a question for Harry Carson. Do you know Harry Carson? So you can ask him this question. Do I know him? Yeah. Do you know Harry Carson? Do you have his number? No. Okay. So uh, uh, Marty Lyons has a question for Harry Carson, but this comes from our friend of the podcast, Leo what is the most embarrassing moment you have had in football? Now, Harry Carson, I'm pretty sure, is a perfect human being. Like, I've done research on this. I've tried to see if there are some funny stories on Harry Carson, like, you know, sharing an embarrassing moment or sharing, like, a funny story. I have not been able to find one. But what I did find during his Giants Chronicles thing is Phil Simms saying this.
0: But everybody there, let me just tell you about Harry. He lives in my town. And he's great, he cuts his own grass. He's very proud of that. But what he doesn't tell you about it, he cuts his grass at the exact same time every Friday afternoon at one o'clock. Also, he doesn't tell you he takes his shirt off because he's so proud of what shape he's in. And he walks around cutting his grass with his shirt off with sweat. And of course, you should see the line of cars for all the housewives that are driving up the street just to get a look at Harry Carson because he looks so great for a guy that's 65 years old. what was that? Sorry. For 60 years old, Harry, you look really good.
1: So that was Phil Sims talking about Harry Carson. <laughs> and did you hear the music that was playing in the background? <laughs> it was beautiful. Like it, like it was like a love song in the background. It was great. <laughs> I didn't know this at first because I skipped the video a little bit because this is the Giants Chronicles video that they did on Harry Carson. So I see this. I'm like, what the hell? So it's a happy birthday video to Harry Carson. But I'm like, why is Phil Sims telling this story? With this angelic music playing in the background about a sixty year old man cutting his grass with his shirt off while housewives roll down his street. I'm sure Phil Sims has also rolled down a street because apparently they, he said that he lives in the same town. I think uh, Phil Sims Friday afternoon, five o'clock. He knows where to be. He 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 comes with his shirt taken off too. And Phil Sims, Harry Carson, they have a party. Something tells me Phil Sims doesn't doesn't fill out quite the same way that Harry Carson does. All right. All right. All right you you ruined you ruin that story. I'm sorry. You ruined that story. That's all right. So um, Leo, I I honestly, I can't, I don't know the inside story that takes place in between Marty Lyons and Harry Carson, but Leo did send me an interesting story. Do you want to hear this? I'd love to. So Leo and Marty Lyons were at a a business conference. They were at like a business meeting this one time. And apparently there was a funny story. Jets-Giants preseason game. Rocky Clever, who was a tight end, had a stomach virus. But he still played. So during this preseason game, he came across the middle of the field, and LT lit him the f up. Rocky exploded. Do you do you know what he means by exploded, David? He like shit himself. He shit his pants. Nice. Yes, and he had to be changed on the sideline. <laughs> Marty went into the wait. So the, Marty went into the game. Marty Lyons. He went into the game, and when he came off the field, he grabbed the towel by the bench, wiped his head and got a horrible odor oh the trainers forgot one towel he said he almost killed the trainers and this was told to leo at a business meeting and leo said that is not the story he expected to hear at a business meeting that is an incredible story that is an incredible story and apparently i don't apparently he said it's not a very well-known story so now so i asked him maybe we're we're breaking something here yeah yeah we're, we're breaking something um so, Leo, thanks for thanks for being a cool dude. We've been interacting a lot on, on Twitter lately, so uh, we've been talking. So thanks for sharing that with me, Leo. We have a few more questions. I had a ton of questions that I wrote here. Um, so, for example, um, for Tom Quinn, how the hell are you still with the Giants organization? Um, I thought that we were going to have enough time where I was going to read his bio. We've, and we have ragged on Tom Quinn so know, many times on the show. But I also have said that Tom Quinn is kind of also my hero because he's been – Average at best at his job. Yet he's been with the Giants organization for just as long as John Mara has been alive, and that's not true. And <laughs> he's done an average. Like that's that's my goal in life. I want to be. I want to do a job. Be completely mediocre at your job mm-hmm. and have it be okay. But and then just stay there, earn a lot of money, and just stay there and have and I live rent free in the Giants in the Giants organization. So, uh, David, I'm pretty much going to hand this question to you. Okay. Mike McKittrick, good friend of mine, cap- captain of the St. Peter's Brett bowling team my junior year. Hey. This is a 2 part question. Number one, do you feel that Eli is a Hall of Famer? Part two, why do you feel that way? And if no, what would he have to do to prove himself worthy of the Hall? I think he is. Yeah. I get why you would say – I, I, get, I get people who say he, he's not. I do. I, I understand that the stats are not um, – they're not the most impressive – but yeah, I've seen that. Um, yeah. Justin just showed me the, the. Eli Manning has more seasons over four thousand yards than Dan Marino, Brett Favre, or Big Ben. I get it. I, I get. I get how people can try to make an argument against it, but I do think because the defenses on the Super Bowl winning teams were as good as they were, people don't realize how well Eli Manning played. Oh, especially in two thousand eleven. And in the 2007 postseason, right. he was incredible. Mm-hmm. I don't think people remember how even when the Giants weren't winning games consistently, there was a, a six, seven, eight-year stretch where he really was the top five quarterback in the NFL. And any given week could look like the best quarterback in the NFL. And I think there's a little bit of, a, uh, of, of an effect where since he is kind of limping towards the finish line, people want to start... Taking away things that he's done, take take away how well he how how well he played in in the height of his career, but I, I think you need to be careful to not jump off the Hall of Fame ship just because his uh, towards the end of his career has been bleak. I, it's a, it's a no doubter in my opinion. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of research into running backs lately, and. One of the things that I'm trying to convince one of my good friends, Michael Boker, who is a Cowboy fan, who if you're a really long-time listener of Bleeding Blue, you recognize him from the Yankee episodes. He's a Yankee fan. A lot of Cowboy fans are Yankee fans.
0: Yes. Um,
1: Ezekiel Elliott is not as good as people say that he is. No. He is relevant because, he, because of the volume of carries that he gets. The reason why like, you know, again, pro football focus gets ragged on, but one of the reasons why, and and again, this is one of the reasons why it kind of does get ragged on. Oh, how is Ezekiel Elliott one of the, like the 30th best or 30th rated running back by pro, pro football focus? Pro football focus doesn't think Ezekiel Elliott is the 30th best running back in the league. It's just that he was rated that way. And because he is relevant by his volume of play, like he gets a lot of carries and he just gets a lot of attention. So- that's the argument of why Elliot isn't that great by some people. But do you know how difficult it is? And you could kind of say the same thing for Eli Manning, but do you know how difficult it is just to stay around in the NFL for this oh, long? Yeah. For as long as Eli has? like this For that, is, that alone. For one franchise. Yeah, For one franchise that for not a single game we're worried about Oh, is our, is our quarterback going to be ready for a single, I would say maybe since 2006, you know, cause th- there you go. That was his second season. He had an, by the time 2006 passed, he had an 11 win season. He had a season where they almost made the playoffs in 2006. That was Tiki's last season. And that was a mess of a situation with Tiki Barber and Jeremy Shockey towards the end of his Giants tenure too. That was a little bit of a mess. 2007 they obviously go on that um, immaculate run and then from pretty much there on we're like we are not worried for a single day and this is for 11 12 years that we are not worried about what we have going on a quarterback and i'm not saying that you know oh there's times that people have doubted eli i am one of them but every single sunday we know all reliable is going to be there yeah so how many franchise in the history of the NFL could say for this long that they have not had to worry about it, about that position, the most valuable position in sports, barely any of them. And barely for a long of portion of that stretch that you're talking about, not just talking about the longevity of it, but also going into every week, knowing your quarterback's going to be ready to play. Right. He's going to show up. He's, gonna, he, he's done his homework. He's ready to go. Right. So that's why I think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, Cause not only are the numbers there, the interception numbers are there. Sure. But, I just think when you look at those those intangibles, those things that you can't measure, um, you'll you'll rarely you'll rarely hear me say that those those <laughs> intang- those intangibles you can't measure. The guy was there. So, yes, I think he's a Hall of Famer. There certainly is an argument, but hey. All right. So we're going to wrap up, but I want to I want to. So these are funny questions that we don't have to answer. Uh, For Dave Gettleman, what the hell are you doing with the Wii Wii Remote in your office? How does it work? How do you watch film with it? Do you play Wii Tennis with your me friends? He definitely plays Wii Baseball. Wii Baseball? No. I can see him as a Wii Tennis kind of guy. Can I do my Dave Gettleman Boston accent? Uh, Why? All right. I don't need to do it. I don't need to do it. I don't want to do it. You can do it if you want. No. I can't I can't think of like I because I honestly you can't, can't get what you want to say. I can't visualize like him playing Wii Tennis. Him playing like or even like how do you watch what do you do? What do you do with the Wii remote that involves like film? It's the strangest of things. Wii film, you ever heard of Wii Film? No, I've never heard of Wii Film. Do they have NFL Game Pass on, <laughs> on the Wii? Is that something we don't know about. Is it easier to control? I, all right. So that was so that was um that was one of the questions that I had, and I really do want to know the answer because if it's something that I could use to watch film, I would love it. Who was the bigger pain in the ass for uh for for Tom Coughlin, um, Jeremy Shockey or Odell Beckham Jr.? No doubt, Jeremy Shockey. No doubt, Jeremy Shockey. No doubt. Okay. Because when Jeremy Shockey was being a pain in the ass, Tom Coughlin was not loved in New York yet. Hmm. He. He had to. He was still proving himself to the New York media. He was proving himself to New, to New York fans, to the Giants themselves. And Jeremy Shockey was not nearly as good as OBJ was <clears throat> when he was being a pain in the ass. He was more of a OBJ. Never came across to me as a prima donna. He was a well, really? No, He, was he a, never came uh, across to me as the kind of guy who was pissed off when Sterling Shepard scored a touchdown. Well. I, I think there's a difference between being a prima donna and a difference between being like there, okay Beckham in my opinion was a prima donna but he was a good teammate Jeremy Shockey was a prima donna and he was a bad teammate exactly <laughs> exactly that's, that's that's kind of what I, I guess that's I, I see what you're saying so yeah. you, you would say prima donna is just more making it making it showtime kind of, kind of yeah. you being showtime I understand that but yeah I think OBJ has to have been easier to deal with if you could get past the antics. Mm-hmm. Because he did want to win, first right. and foremost, winning the football game is the most important right. thing. And if anybody else could help him do that, he was on board. Okay. I want somebody to write a book one day because I really want to know what was the camel that broke the straws back. Like, was there something behind the scenes? Was it the Josina Anderson interview? All right. I don't know. I did put a restraining order on Odell Beckham Jr. We're still talking about him. All right, but we're done. That's it. Um, yeah, it's it's the town. Ta- it's the bleeding blue town hall. We have to talk about it. Um, the last question. It's not a bleeding blue episode if we don't end it on a bad note. <laughs> No, we, well we, let me ask a question first, then. Oh, sure. Um, I think I would be interested in asking who who in your opinion is the best, the the best giant of all time? Oh, god. Now the best giant I've watched. Best or, giant of all time. Oh, well, it's gotta be LT. Okay, I agree. Or or Eli Man. I agree with LT. I would want to ask Lawrence Taylor: who is the closest player mm. to yourself? Mm. Who's the closest player in, in Giants history? It could be before oh, in him. History. Could be before him, could be after him. Let's gonna say like in league who, history. Who came the closest to being as dominant as he was? Mm. You gotta you gotta well, I mean, I, league-wise, you gotta say JJ Watt, right? I would say for the Giants, it'd have to be Michael Strahan. Yeah, maybe for, maybe for I wanna, a stretch, yeah. I, I would say Strahan. But it's an, I think it's an interesting question because he was able to do so many things. Mm-hmm. He was a better pass he was he was better in pass coverage than most linebackers of his time. Yeah. He was obviously. As far as a pass rusher, run stuffer was Termed unparalleled. LT. LT, yeah. All right, okay. Yeah, well, I I, do yeah. Be, I just think it'd be a uh, interesting. In my, I think in in our lifetime, in our time of watching giant football, I'm either gonna like, I would have to say like JPP for a stretch of like 2011 to uh, yeah to 20 maybe 13 to the time where he like blew his hand off dude, like he was an I mean, animal he was freak he was an yeah, animal was freak. So I would say that's the close comparison. And then, all right, so here's, here's my question. This is my burning question. Um, I guess this would go to Mara Shermer and Davey G. Can we give them that new nickname? Davey G. Davey G. Sure. If this season absolutely goes to shit. Now it is not that hard to imagine that the giants are going to win five to six games again this year. I don't think it's that hard to imagine it that the giants are in another position this year. Where we be win five or six games. Not saying it will happen, but again, not that hard to imagine. So the question must be asked: With how deep the 2020 quarterback class is, would the Giants consider doing the same thing the Cardinals did and take a QB again? That's my right now. That's my burning question. They won't. Okay. Okay, that would be. I I don't think they will. Okay, I agree with you. I agree with you. But you know, something. I don't. I you know again. I don't know how deep the quarterback class is. I don't even think it's even worth. I know it's deep. I mean, we know it's deep, but at the same time, uh, what was that? What was that? Uh, Matt, Matt Barkley. Yeah. That kid was projected to be a number one pick and then he went his senior year and he stunk it up. So it's not, it's not even worth talking about right now. I would say just really quickly, I would say no, especially no. If Eli plays the first eight games and they're two and six uh, and Jones doesn't even get, you know, gets less than half a season to go. Yeah. That, That was my answer. All right. Um, We'll be back next week, right? One quick thing to say. Yeah. Because I haven't – we have not done an episode since Curtis Riley called you out on Twitter. Oh, that's right. And I think it's hilarious. Yeah. And now I see he does that often. Oh, no. he, uh, he... He's a little piece of shit no. <laughs> on, on Twitter. And I would be happy if he heard that. Yeah, I'm uh, – at the time where – so basically, the last time David and I—I I think the last time David and I had an episode together—we talked. We we refreshed ourselves on how we made a bet on Twitter, saying that I have to do the milk challenge if Curtis Riley gets an NFL. Well, if he makes, the if he makes the Raiders roster, now I've done some research on the milk challenge. It's very dangerous. It's unpleasant. It's no, but it's dangerous. He'll for, be fine. I think. I mean, what do you have an hour to do the gallon, gallon of milk? I, know, yeah. I may do it in 90 minutes. I I I don't even like milk. milk. I I know, but I'm Curtis Riley's holding up his end of the bargain. And best believe that that is miraculous on yeah. its own. So he so basically I I clipped that on Twitter. I don't even tag him, but he somehow found it. I guess he just searches his name like a weirdo. And I would do the same thing, but he called me a fat boy. <laughs> he what did he what did he spell it? Did he do a P-H-A-T-T? No, did, or is did, it he, B- he did B O I Fat boy. Oh, no. I thought he spelled fat with two Ts. No. I mean, he might have done fat with two Ts. And yeah, then put, he also he also called you a clown. Get your milk. though no, he, he put the, the clown cl- emoji. Put the clown emoji. And get you want and you wanted, fat boy. And you wanted to know what? After that, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of rooting for you because- That was funny. Because he responded to the video. The video got more likes. The video got more views. So I'm like, dude, you're only helping me out. That was and then you get Giants fans that tag on, oh, this guy's a piece of shit. But he, is. he didn't even like- I didn't even think that was like a real dig. I thought that was like, oh, this is all fun and games. But then he went on like other Giants fans, like other Giants fans have tagged him and stuff. And he's like really been mean. He's a me, Yes, he is mean. He's mad at the world because he's bad at his job. I'm not going to say he's a piece of shit because he kind of helped me. So in a way, I'm kind of rooting for him because it's, it's an egotistical way to root for him because I get more attention – if he if he actually does make the Raiders roster and this milk challenge, you know that you know the, the play from the I Tech, can make a video. You know the play from the Texans game this past year. Yes. where those, Will Fuller yes, just like runs him over. Yes. Will Fuller, Will Fuller, of all wide receivers in the NFL, Will, Will Fuller, Fuller, who is not known as the kind of guy who should run somebody over. You know he's the fifth. He's a fifth. Will Fuller, well, the, fifth, the fifth. Yes, <laughs> There's five of them. He's the fifth. Um, That's a lot of Will Fuller. So if Curtis Riley ever goes at you on Twitter, this goes out to. Everybody on Twitter, including you know the president of the United States, anybody. Well, Trump. If Curtis Trump, Riley decides, really does need some help. If <laughs> on, yeah. no, that's not for this show. <laughs> um, if Curtis Riley comes at you on Twitter, all you do is respond with a GIF of him getting run over by Will Fuller, and there's literally nothing he can say. Call him a fat boy. <laughs> there's nothing he can say. All right. Um, so so that's basically it for Bleeding Blues' first annual town hall. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for attending our, our first annual Bleeding Blue Town Hall. The court, out of session. Court is out of session. I have been interning at the DA's office. I've, I've been spending too much time in court, so that's what my mind goes to. Um, David, do you have any final thoughts um, besides Curtis Riley? That that was my final Okay, thought. great. Yeah. Um, we will see you next week. Uh, Bleeding Blue is going to have an awesome summer. We're going to have a fun summer. Um, go Giants, go Giants, go Giants. Go Yankees, go Yankees, go Yankees. And uh, you know what to do, everybody. You just keep on Bleeding Blue. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.
0: He takes his shirt off because he's so proud of what shape he's in. And he walks around cutting his grass with his shirt off with sweat. And, of course, you should see the line of cars for all the housewives that are driving up the street just to get a look at Harry Carson because he looks so great for a guy that's 65 years old. What was that? Sorry. For 60 years old, Harry, you look really good.